Welcome to the Bloomberg Law Podcast. I'm June Grosso. Every day we bring you insight and analysis into the most important legal news of the day. You can find more episodes of the Bloomberg Law Podcast on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, and on Bloomberg.com slash podcasts. Lawyers for President Trump, trying to block a grand jury subpoena for years of his tax returns, argue to the Second Circuit Court of Appeals that the president has absolute immunity from criminal investigation while he's in office. That caused one of the judges to ask about Trump's boast in 2016 that he was so popular he could shoot someone on Fifth Avenue and not lose voters. Joining me is Harold Krent, a professor at the Chicago-Kent College of Law and author of the book Presidential Powers. Harold, during the arguments, Judge Denny Chin asked Trump's lawyer, William Consovoy, about the Fifth Avenue story, and Consovoy stuck to the claim of presidential immunity. And what's your view on, on the, the Fifth Avenue example? Local authorities couldn't investigate? They couldn't do anything about it? I, I think once the, a president is uh, removed from office, the lo- any local authority, this is not a permanent immunity. Well, I'm talking about while in office. No. That's the hypo. Nothing could be done. That's your position. That is correct. Is there any basis in law for that claim of absolute immunity from state judicial process? There's no precedent. There's no claim. This is sort of an astonishing postulate to put the president above the law while the president's in office. I mean, one could imagine that in some other kind of regime, but that's certainly inconsistent with the precedents we have, particularly from President Nixon, President Clinton, and so forth. You mentioned President Nixon. The Supreme Court ordered the White House to hand over President Nixon's audio tapes during the Watergate investigation. The subpoena here is for eight years of tax returns from Trump's accountants. Is the Nixon case precedent for this case, or is it distinguishable? The Nixon case is precedent for this because there there was a criminal investigation into cover-up and obstruction of justice into the Watergate break-in and affiliated conduct. And the court then had a claim about whether or not they could require the president to cooperate with the investigation while he was in office. And obviously, we know that the unanimous court held that he did. It wasn't absolute. There was a balancing test about the needs of the criminal justice system to be balanced against the strength of the president's claim of privilege. But I think, as you alluded to, the claim of privilege here is so weak because it doesn't have anything to do with the president as the qua president. It has to do with private tax returns prior to when President Trump assumed office. So I think that even under the Nixon precedent, the claim by President Trump's lawyers is extremely weak. Past presidents have actually testified in criminal and civil litigations. This is just a subpoena for tax records. I want to get your reaction to what Chief Judge Robert Katzman said. The premise is that this is uh, a distraction. It distracts the president from carrying out his duties. Where is the distraction if the subpoena is served on accountants? Uh, The president doesn't have to do anything to comply with the subpoena. Any kind of balancing test suggests that President Trump's loses, which is why his attorney had to make the sort of uh, outlandish claim here. Now, even the Department of Justice, I think it's worthy of note, backed away from what President's private attorney said. They did suggest that it was a balancing test. They just said that the claim here by the state of New York was so tenuous that it wouldn't meet the test that they've just crafted out of whole cloth. But at least they (laughs) acknowledged the fact that there was no 
absolute privilege not to be investigated while in office. So the fact that the Justice Department disagreed with the president's private attorney suggests something. Was it wise for the president's lawyers to take such an extreme position when, you know, in recent memory, you can have a picture of Bill Clinton testifying in a civil case? Yeah, absolutely. And even President John F. Kennedy, which few people remember, was responsive to a civil case that arose prior to his assumption of the presidency as well. And I think the reason why the president's attorney was cornered was the fact that under any kind of balancing test, as you know, Judge Katzman said, there's just so little on the president's side. It was a civil case. Even if it's a criminal case, it arose prior to President Trump's assumption of the mantle of the presidency. And to comply, it's a third party giving over tax returns. So there's like no burden on the presidency. I mean, what they suggest is at some point, if 50 states open up criminal law investigations into the presidency under all sorts of theories, yes, there might be a disruption of the president's time, focus, and energy. And that would be destabilizing to our republic. But this is not the case. It's the first one. It's just a third party releasing tax returns. So they're specter of some kind of handicapped presidency simply is a phantom at this point. The chief judge here acknowledged that this is going to end up at the Supreme Court. Is there any way the justices could countenance a claim of absolute presidential immunity? I think even the Supreme Court, made up of sympathizers to the president, would reject this claim. It's just too unprecedented. It's too broad. It's too unleavened. And I think they would have a hard time making any kind of compromise position, even as the Department of Justice tried to serve up, because this is in no way a disruption to the presidency to allow Mazars, an accounting company, to release financial documents. This is being fast-tracked. There is an agreement between the Manhattan DA's office and the president's lawyers to fast-track this case. So could we get a Supreme Court ruling before the elections? We absolutely could. The Supreme Court has taken emergency cases before, such as in the United States versus Nixon case that we talked about. But in this case, there's plenty of time before the Supreme Court term ends in June of 2020 for them to take this case and resolve it. I expect that will happen. I think the Supreme Court will feel duty-bound to take it, but they could surprise us and say this isn't of great enough import and not enough in terms of a split within the judicial system to take this case because it is so settled that the president is not immune from any kind of investigation while he was in office, as we've seen in the Nixon and Clinton cases. This lawsuit is one of three cases in which President Trump has sued investigators and the companies they subpoenaed to try to block access to his financial records. Have any of the courts ruled in his favor? The D.C. Circuit is the one that's come furthest along, and they've also held against the president so far with respect to his tax returns. So on this issue, the president is is not doing well, to no surprise. He obviously has fared better on other claims in the courts. And I don't think he has much of a legal leg to stand on in this case. I'm not surprised that both the Second Circuit and the D.C. Circuit have come down strongly against him, and particularly strongly against the relatively outlandish claims of his private attorneys, because we don't want to live in a republic, or most of us don't want to live in a republic where the president is absolutely immune from any kind of investigation during the pendency of his presidency. 
also he's making a claim that his presidential immunity extends to his companies. It is beyond logic to think that even if the president were in some way to be protected, that the president's private company would be protected as well. I think the theory must be that any kind of civil suit or criminal suit against the president, whether it's in his private capacity or public capacity, must be stopped in order to prevent any kind of distraction from the presidency. That's the argument in the best light as laid forward by the president's private counsel. But of course, that distraction argument has been roundly repudiated by the Supreme Court, both in the Clinton and in the Nixon cases. And I don't think the current Supreme Court would be in a mood to revisit that. Harold, how important is this case to concepts of presidential power and separation of powers? Or is this case so far out there that it's not that important? Well, I mean, if the Supreme Court reversed its prior stance and ruled that the president would be absolutely immune from any kind of investigation during the presidency, I do think it would make huge law and would change other kinds of allied doctrines. I don't think that's going to happen. I don't expect it will happen. So far, it's not one of these fascinating questions which hasn't arisen before in which you can see great arguments on both sides. I mean, this strikes me as a relatively desperate measure to protect the presidency from release of financial issues that have nothing to do with his presidency. And the attorneys can make those arguments, but I don't think they're going to, to win. But yes, if they won, then we would have to reassess the legal landscape because the president would be in a much more powerful position and would be really outside the grasp of law and investigations. We know it for however long he's in power. I mean, to use a sort of bizarre parallel, Prime Minister Netanyahu in Israel supposedly, some people say, is just trying to continue to become prime minister, not because he really thinks he can lead the nation or should lead the nation, because he doesn't want to be indicted and prosecuted. And we don't want to have a situation where the presidency is colored by that, that you're trying to be president, so you can't be investigated. And that's, I think, what President Trump's lawyers are striving for, and it's something I think that we need to avoid because the president needs to be accountable in some measure. Obviously, he's accountable in impeachment, but he should be accountable also, if not to indictment, at least to some investigation in terms of the normal criminal process. That's important. Thank you, Harold. That's Harold Krent of the Chicago-Kent College of Law. Thanks for listening to the Bloomberg Law Podcast. You can subscribe and listen to the show on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, and on Bloomberg.com slash podcast. I'm June Grosso. This is Bloomberg. Bloomberg.